Hey, everybody, and welcome into the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. Gunstock Mountain Resort is now open for the winter season. Enjoy top-to-bottom skiing and riding, and remember to take a moment to stop and take in that iconic view from the summit. One of, one of our 10 best we chose last month in New England Ski Magazine. Check out our tubing hill for thrills and laughs and night sessions with the most lit terrain in New England for all you night owls. Book your lift tickets, rentals, and tubing online in advance. Check out our upcoming events at gunstock.com. Embrace the chill this winter at Gunstock. And discover what you've been missing when you visit Burke Mountain, the last little corner of Vermont. Located only seven miles off Interstate 91, the slopes are closer than you think. Take advantage of their incredible midweek deals like $45 Monday through Friday lift tickets or Wicked Wednesdays where three people can ski or ride for the price of one. That's right. You and two of your friends can ski and ride for just 15 bucks a piece every Wednesday non-holiday. Incredible. To learn more, book your overnight stay at the Ski In, Ski Out Burke Mountain Hotel or purchase lift tickets, visit SkiBurke.com. I'm New England Ski Journal editor Eric Wilbur. I'm joined here by my co-host, Mike Specian. Mike, how are you? Eric, I am doing beyond fantastic. Beyond? There have been some incredible events that have happened over the last week. Mm-hmm. Yep. From incredible, incredible, incredible snow here in New England yep. that has just made the skiing as good as you can get. Yeah, it's true. We haven't been, we haven't been together in a few weeks, and I, I felt... The last time we were together was we were snow starved, right? New England was, we were skiing, but there wasn't a lot of snow. And I went to Maine. I found some snow up there, Saddleback, which was a tremendous trip back up there to to visit there again. And then at the end of school vacation week, wouldn't you know, is when the snow started coming. And I spent a few hours at King Pine skiing in fresh powder. And then we left New Hampshire. And then, of course, it's been snowing there for like two weeks straight. On the on the bright side, yes, the 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 map has changed in New England. We're no longer like starving for snow. There's snow. It it, it is a a great sort of ending to the ski season. I'm sure a lot of ski areas wished it happened like earlier in the week of February for school vacation, or at least the Massachusetts one. But you can't deny, like right now, we are set up for the best spring skiing we've had in New England in what I don't know three four years probably. Yeah, we really are. So. Mass Vacation Week was when it hit at the end of that week. Correct. New Hampshire Vacation Week was unbelievable. Was unbelievable. Yes, I saw photos. Trying. Yeah, <laughs> it was unbelievable. I, I left Saddleback as that 10 inches was coming in. The, the 10 inches didn't really turn into much that day, but the next storm did deliver another foot. So it's like, and it was these little, these little storms, right? Two inches, six inches, eight inches. And it all added up. We have a little cam on my deck of my house up in Madison and when I was up there over, over school break, a couple inches of snow, and I took a look at it the other day, it's over the railing. And that's just in a two-week span, like how fortunes have just shifted. It's, it's been amazing. And it's a reminder that don't ever count out winter because here it comes. Well, I was up in Bartlett for some business, and I drove across Crawford Notch. On the Bartlett side, it felt like a full-on winter scene. The banks were high on the side of the roads. I was stunned at how much snow there was, because down on the lakes region, it wasn't quite that way. But the other thing, Eric, the other thing that makes me fantastic is number 66 and number 67 happened. Yes, finally. Michaela Schifrin is the greatest skier of all time. Two days before her 28th birthday, 
which is remarkable when you put it that way, right? Swedish legend Ingemar Stenmark, he was 32 when he won number 86. So she's already got a four-year head start on the man. Just incredible. And, and the race itself was great to watch her finish and to sort of see her, like, just take a moment to soak it in. She was quiet, and then she went to her down and, and crouched, and you could tell she was very emotional, but it wasn't this huge celebration, right? And I, and I think that speaks a lot to who Michaela Schifrin is, right? That she is the greatest skier of all time, but she's never going to tell you that. She has a long career ahead of her, and she's going to demolish every World Cup record that's out there. And so to see her do it this year and in the year that she's having. Did yes. you say greatest of all time? Is that sort of like the GOAT? I mean, I know. I, and I Look, I'm going to put it this way. I... Well, never, I'm not going to put it the way. But let's go back to the other thing I was talking about. She has 13 victories in the World Cup circuit this year. 13. That's the most since she had 17 in 2019. And in between, we know what happened. She lost her father. And I think that the, the, a lot of tumult there, right? And a lot of inner searching for what she wanted to do with the rest of her career. And, you know, here she is. She's right back at the top of her game a couple of years later through COVID, through losing her father. She may match that 17 this year. Who knows? Or she may go... Uh, Above and beyond, she's having that kind of season. But yes, greatest of all times in terms of she has the most wins, okay? She does. She has the most podiums. She has the most win World Cup wins of all time. Does that make her the greatest? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't say that Michaela Schifrin is greater than Bodie Miller or that she's greater than Alberto Tomba or that she's greater than Lindsey Vaughn. I think that I love Michaela. She's my favorite skier athlete of all time, period. Does that make her the greatest of all time? I don't know. I, I, I think the GOAT can be overused in terms of you as a person and what you mean to the sport. Tom Brady, GOAT. Fine. Okay. Got it. Joe Montana's not the GOAT, though, right? Joe Montana's not one of the greatest of all time. I, I think you get into a lot of particulars here when, when, you, when you call someone the GOAT and just have it be that and not pay attention to all the rest of the skill. Level. That's all. Well, That's all. Well, gr the GOAT, greatest of all time, is an evolving thing. Yes. Okay. okay. So at this moment, Michaela is by far the GOAT. And now the next threshold here is when she hits 100, if she stays healthy, if she st keeps going, she has that potential. And I don't know anybody or the resiliency of Michaela Schifrin in so many disciplines, anybody that's going to duplicate this if she hits 100. But... Well, back to New England skiing, though. Now that we're done with Michaela, now back to New England skiing. Yes. The snow has come, and it's revived some some areas that were struggling. It hasn't just revived some areas. It's revived sort of the attitude, right? Because now we've got, a, we've got the groundhog. The groundhog has helped us out now. We've got six more weeks of winter. I, I think that these recent snows, look— the ski business wants snow all year long. They want it to snow every single day. But it is unfortunate it didn't get a little bit more of this in February. That being said, it's like this is our snow, right? This is our snow, me and you. Not the, the person who, who goes away for February break only. Not the person who wants to break in their skis sometime in March. Not the person who wants to go ski a couple runs and then catch March Madness for the rest of the afternoon in the bar, Right? The, this, is our, this is our snow. This is for the people who want to ski in the spring, for the people who want to ski in a T-shirt and lather on the sunscreen and just kind of have those days. I, I say it all the time, but spring days to me are 
the best time of the year just because I love that vibe, but more so because I love the appreciation we all have, right? Your next turn might be your, ne- your last turn of the season. And there's more of an importance on everything you do because it may be the last time you do it until November or December. Or if God bless you, go south to Argentina, maybe it's in July or August. And I think that that sort of attitude is pervasive, right? Particularly at smaller areas where the vibe is there already and where there's a soul to skiing. You go to Cannes, you go to Magic, you go to Black Mountain, you go to these smaller places where it's just everyone's there for that skiing experience. And there's just something special about it that, that I, I don't get in any other season of, of the ski calendar. You are 100% correct. I think the other thing that plays a factor, we just hit daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. So just think, the sun's up an hour later. So when, when the lifts close at 4 o'clock, the sun's still there to sit on the deck, have a beer, take in the overall excitement so when we have snow we get to enjoy that and honestly we're talking about magic mountain today it's such a cool spot to be when that's happening yeah it really is i mean i think when i was younger part of me what i love so much about spring skiing was you could sleep in because you had to wait for that thaw to come out and and kind of soften the snow up so you get out there at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you're in prime conditions. It seems like we're recording this on, on Monday this week, and it's going up on Friday. So the elephant in the room is that it may or may not have snowed a lot, or it may or may have, it may or may have rained a lot. We don't know. But the, these late winter storms are, are certainly helping us in a longer pattern in terms of keeping our, our, our mountains at least, right, mid-April for some places. And that didn't seem like it was going to be a possibility just three weeks ago. Well, it's doing that. It's also giving optimism because it was it was pretty frustrating in January. It was. It's giving optimism to the whole ski industry because we need that optimism. And this is the time I want to ski. I dedicated March and April to my ski time this year since I've been on the road so much. So one place I'm going to hit this over the next two weeks is magic. Nice. It's on my radar screen. I'm still going up to Jay. I'm still going to Saddleback because these places in the springtime, when it's soft and silky in the snow, that's my type of skiing, and I can't wait to get in the trees and play. Yeah, I can't wait either. Coming up next on the podcast, we've got Jeff Hathaway. He's the president of Magic Mountain in Londonderry, Vermont. Excellent character. Always fun to talk with him. And uh, we're going to get the lowdown on what's going on on Magic these final few weeks of the spring skiing season. So uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Get ready to winter like you mean it. Make tracks to Stratton for a big mountain experience with corduroy cruisers, tree-lined trails, new terrain parks, miles of glades, all with snow so great it's guaranteed. Book your lodging at the heart of the resort and discover everything you love about winter is right outside your door. Like snow tubing, snowmobile tours, snowshoe treks, cross-country skiing. Then there's Stratton Village for shopping, dining, après, and late nights. Stratton.com to save on lift tickets and lodging packages great glen trails outdoor center is your one-stop adventure destination this winter no lift lines just great grooming and magical vistas classic snow tubing hill with hot cocoa and s'mores on the weekends 
Try a guided snow coach tour. Grab your reservation to Treeline on Mount Washington. Private and group lessons for skiers of all ages and all abilities. Evening snowshoe tours and so much more. Check the website for booking options and details as well. GreatGlenTrails.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Joining us on Zoom today from Vermont is Jeff Hathaway, president of Magic Mountain. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the show today. Yeah, great to be here. I do want to share a quick email that we got about from a podcast listener. Hey guys, I stumbled upon your podcast on Spotify and absolutely love it. I was able to listen to many episodes of my five-hour drive to Jay, and I hope to finish the rest soon. It sure helped pass the time. I'm sure you have plans for episodes and perhaps on these very topics, but there are a couple of topics I would be interested to hear your thoughts on. And the number one, of course, is a magic episode. I'd love to hear from Jeff Hathaway and reinvigorating magic and the struggles they have had via the black quad, snowmaking pump, and the ups and mainly downs of the weather. So not that we answer every single email that we get and say, yes, get that guest on immediately because Jeff has been on our radar for some time. But I do want this, this listener to know that we, we do pay attention and we want to help out the listeners. And so if you have a request, please send us an email about who you want to hear from. But right now it's Jeff Hathaway. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Oh, great. Great to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you, Jeff. Magic is just a magical spot in Southern Vermont, unlike any other ski area down in that neck of the woods. Why don't you give us a quick overview of what the mountain's all about? Yeah, well, it, I mean, it is totally different, which is what drew me to the mountain to begin with. It was distinct when my kids were growing up. It was it was already distinct, and that was in the late 1990s. And Magic had just come back from being closed for actually five six years in the mid 90s. So hard times have, have certainly visited the place in, in the but it's also been one of the it was in in the 60s. You know it. it Hans Thorner founded the place, Swiss ski instructor, brought a lot of European kind of panache to the place, and he founded it in 1960. And in the 60s, Stratton, Bromley, Magic, they were kind of part of that golden triangle, and I would say kind of golden phase of skiing as it was kind of increasingly introduced to a broader audience in the United States. And the European influence was coming in at that. Bromley had been around for a while, founded by the Pabst, but Stratton had the whole Tyrolean, Austrian flavor to it. And Magic really brought the Swiss feel to skiing. And a lot of people really liked that feel of what the Europeans brought in terms of kind of the après ski, also the instruction. And there was just a certain interest in kind of the whole foreign flair to the birth of skiing. So Magic's had a kind of a storied history, but definitely it's seen better times when I first discovered it really in the, the 1990s in terms of being a regular youth of the place. We had been around it because our family grew up skiing in the southern Vermont areas, but we oriented more towards Stratton at that point in time in the late 60s and 70s. And I was just at, at the point in the 90s where it was like a lot of these resorts had already begun to go kind of in this corporate setting. So there have been a number of skiers that have been bought, sold, and Magic was a part of that. Magic had been bought by Brock back in the in the mid 80s 
when Hans Storer sold it. And then that same corporation decided, well, we're going to keep when hard times hit in the late 80s, early 90s with the real estate market. They decided to jettison Magic. And that point, Magic was actually attached to Timber Ridge. That was one place. And they kept Bromley and got rid of Magic. So we've, we've been intimately involved kind of since, I guess, the rebirth in terms of being a customer first, bringing up my kids there skiing. And the reason we loved it was there was a passionate core group of people who went to the, even after the closing, there was a whole community. And so the only way they could hike it to do it before was to hike it in the nineties. And some crazy entrepreneurs decided to try and reopen it in the late nineties with some mixed success, but we fell in love with it because of the people who were there. And the terrain is so different from the rest of Southern Vermont mountains. It's more like a Northern Vermont mountain that was stuck down here in Southern Vermont. Oh, yeah. So it reminds me of Smugs. It reminds me of Mad River. But that real kind of hardcore vibe was alive and well. It just had to be nurtured a little more. So many years later, that nurturing came to me. Yeah, I'll never forget my first run at Magic. I, I, I skied with a brace on my left knee since I tore my ACL 17 years ago. It's just kind of like a comfort for me. And I forgot it at the car and I went up to, to the ski area and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do without it. And I can't remember what the trail was, but I did it. And it was so steep. And I was like, holy bleep. And I went right back to the car to get my brace. I was like, this place is not bleeping around, right? So it, it's it's evident when you first get there that this place is different. This, it's like a northern Vermont mountain in southern Vermont. I think that's a great way to put it. But as far as your history with the mountain is concerned, can you start, go back and, and, and let us know, what's the genesis for the revival? Like, how did you decide you wanted to invest in this place? Well, I, I think it, a lot of people would call it kind of your passion play at a certain point it it was always of an interest because the more time we spent there it was like oh man there's there's some opportunity here and uh, they were always hard up for cash in the early late 90s early 2000s just getting the place back up and running with a functional lift and a lodge and some snowmaking that survived was a job and the the owners and operators prior to me coming on board did you know did a great job, but you just always saw the potential of the place as you were skiing it. And there needed to be more consistency of operations. There needed to be, obviously, especially in the in these times, more snowmaking that had to be added. And there needed a little higher capacity as as to the lift infrastructure. But to really make it a, a success, you needed more revenue. You needed more skiing, and you, you can't do that without having more lift access. So all throughout kind of when my kids, my kids are in their mid twenties now. So that's when we started 20 years ago, skiing the place. And it was like, you could just see, oh my God, what a great natural mountain this is. The, the trails, the glades, and then the people who come there that love it so much. It just needed a little more. I'm just trying to add that little more to it in terms of real consistency yeah, we're going to have a product and it's going to be a good product. We're going to have more snowmaking. We're going to have more grooming. We're going to have more lifts, but we're not going to take away the essential character of the place. The character of the place kind of remains. And I, it's the type of place that draws a distinct skier or rider because you're not going to get high-speed lifts here. You're, you're not going to get a spa area here. This is kind of hardcore. I'm really here for the skiing and riding, and I'm also here to enjoy it with other people with a kind of a similar mind. Uh, you could be really good skier. It could be really bad skier, but it's the mindset that matters. If people want to go out, have a great time, 
have a challenge and not have an overcrowded ski trail and glade experience. So you're not always looking over your shoulder that want to hang out and talk to other people about the day that they just had and do it over a beer with a great view, great music. So that's what we're trying to do is nurture what it was already essentially there and just make it better. And, and it's not going to happen overnight. As people find out, it's one step at a time getting better every year. I think we've done that. You brought up the people. There isn't a spot outside of maybe Mad River Glen that has a more loyal following than Magic. I hopped onto a Facebook page, I think it's Friends of Magic, that just ballooned. I could not believe the comments, the people on there, and their passion for what is there. How important is that? to the overall success of magic? Well, I, I think it was essential for me. And we knew we had a good, solid core. It wasn't big enough to really sustain a scary over time, given what we knew capital-wise would need to go into the place. But it, we knew that that core that we had exists out there in other places. And that a lot of people really have grown up not experiencing what a place like Mad River or Magic or Smugs or a Platic Hill, places like that, what they add to the kind of ski experience. Because we have grown up in a time and an era where, you know, a lot of skiers, oh, sure, yeah, we'll put another high-speed quad, maybe a bubble with a six-pack, maybe now an eight-pack with heated seats and display. So you know everything that's going on at the mountain at one time. And all those innovations are great, but I think there's there's a lot to be said for these areas that really look backwards a little bit and are have that more original spirit and feeling intimacy, I would call it. It's a it's a closer connection to the mountain itself and what it and what skiing's all about. And the variety is great. And I think what was missing or what was in danger was losing those type of mountains because it is hard to be independent. It, you can't just go, oh yeah, we're going to put a $7 million lift in here because we've got great corporate backing and five other, 10 other ski areas that will help support the cash flow for the corporation as a whole. But we've got to look at it. Here's our one little area. How do we make this business work? Well, on that same note, since you are independent and you see, you see other ski areas say, hey, look, New super speed, high octagon quad coming here. It's like, and it's like one every mountain. It's like you are struggling just to do your own lifts. How, how, you know, first of all, take us through the saga of some of your lifts and, and some of the struggles you've had. And then when you see other ski areas that corporate own, own just like at a snap of a finger, open a new quad and you're like, it's just shaking your head. Like what, what, what can I do? Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, that's, you gotta, we have to deal with kind of the the realities of a smaller ski area and what you can actually afford to do, right? We're not going to stuff 15,000 people in here on a, a weekend. We just don't, we don't have the, ca the capacity to do it, nor would we want to. And and 15,000 people with the ticket these days at 150 to 200 bucks, they, that can buy a lot of fancy stuff. So we got to do it realistically as a small business and look at the opportunity and say, okay, over time, you know what this mountain needs? This mountain needs a better beginner area. So yes, we've got a hardcore, these guys know how to ski, but these guys also have families. And these families in the past and Magic used to maybe go to Bromley to learn how to ski. And then once they were five or six years old, learned how to ski, they come back to Magic. 
But magic had lost its kind of beginner area. So we said, we're going to bring that beginner area back. We're going to put in a magic carpet lift. And we did that within the first year that we purchased magic back in 2016. So that was, let's say, a baby step, but an important one. And it, it gave our loyal customers a nod that, hey, magic is thinking about my kids and their experience. And not everyone is an expert skier at magic. There are a lot of great skiers, but everyone needs to learn and needs a good place to do it. So that was kind of step one in the kind of lift side of it. And people forget about that, but it's really important for us to establish a really good learning center. We do. Mm -hmm. The next thing was, well, we've got, okay, the red, red to the summit. That's great. But what's the stepping stone for people? If you go red to the summit, all of a sudden you're going down some pretty steep terrain and yes, there's an easier way down, but it's relative to magic, not relative to say some other, right. Yeah. Or area. So. That's a big stepping stone for a lot of people. So we said, and let's put in a mid-mountain lift. And there was, this was, wasn't necessarily our original idea. There was this lift that had been there since 2003. When prior owners said, hey, we should put a mid-mountain lift back in here. Magic used to have it, but it was sold to Berkshire East back in the early 90s when Magic was shut down. So they had purchased a lift from Stratton back in 2002, I think it was, or 2001. And it was a nice, nice double lift. And they put the towers in and there it was 2003. And when we purchased the place in 2016, there it was <laughs> unfinished, just the towers, nothing else. So we decided to finish that lift. And basically it took us two years to finish that lift, but it almost all of a sudden opened up this beautiful mini area it's like a microcosm of what magic overall is because it's got expert terrain off it. It's got beginner terrain off it. It's got glades off it. So it's a nice little introduction to kind of magic without having to go all the way to the top. So we put that lift in and then it was like after five years, we're like, oh my God, we, we need another lift besides the red lift to go to the summit because obviously there are a couple of things going on. One, you're limited in terms of the amount of people you can get into the place. Two, you want to back up because lifts break down. doesn't matter how new the lift is, but lifts do break down at times. So you want to back up lift. So we said, well, we got to find a replacement for this old triple lift, which was defunct and not working for many years and see if we can improve the amount of people that can be here and redundancy of lift operations to the top. So Stratton was going to put in a new high-speed quad in their snowball area, and they were selling the former quad that was there did, didn't get used a whole lot because of Stratton, oh, if I can take a high-speed Ursa lift up to the top or gondola up to the top, why am I, why am I going to use this older lift? And so it didn't get a lot of use and we purchased it for what we could afford. And then it was a matter of, in, matter of installing it onto our different terrain. So that's what we've been doing for the last now four, this will be our fourth season that we've been working on it. So a lot of headaches. With that, wasn't engineered correctly, apparently. But there's been a lot of work that has been going on over those years to fix the engineering problems. Half the towers needed work on them to compensate for the, like obviously we're going up 1,500 vertical feet and it's a lot steeper than what that lift had prior done at West Stratton. So it was a different profile, but we're still working. It's basically down to some final tower work, which 
but we basically completed back in October. Thought it was going to be done for this year. And then the state of Vermont also, with their inspections, decided that the the whole rope needed to be now replaced. So the whole rope, and we had already put that into our plans last June. So we ordered the whole rope. The whole rope arrived in November. There was no contractor, though, at that point in time that we had been doing business with to install it in November. So that part of the equation is coming in the spring. Contractor coming back, install the the whole rope. There's some final alignment work to do. And then each tower obviously has to get its communications lines hooked up to the drive and things of that sort. So we're 90% there, but the, the last 10% is always painful too. So we're still dealing with that. Obviously, we're the ones, we get a lot of heat for it because people are like, why, why isn't that thing running? You know, we're the ones who want it running mm-hmm. the most because that allows us to bring more people into our place, have no lift lines. We will still have capacity limits. We'll first want us to put capacity limits on five years when we bought the place six years ago. Now other people are seeing that they have to do this to manage other crowds, but we, we did it because we want to preserve a ski experience. That's why we did it. And the, the black quad is a big part of us being able to have this ski experience we want to, but also have more people there enjoying that experience because there's no lift lines and you're still, because it's a fixed grip versus a high speed, you're not going to overcrowd the trails. Well, I'm looking forward to riding it very soon, hopefully. And yeah, me the, too. The, the terrain right under it's unbelievable, to say the least. You mentioned Smugs. I, you know what? I never, I did my internship up at Smugs a long time ago, and you are right. The terrain on Madonna and the terrain mm-hmm. at Magic are so similar, the way they ski and the energy. One thing, when, when you drive up, when, when you're pulling into Magic, there's this sign, and the sign says, where skiing still has its soul. What does that mean? Well, I mean, to me, it's it's kind of the connection I I get when I'm skiing at a place like Magic, where I feel kind of that original spirit of of skiing that it hasn't changed really in seventy years. It's still the same feeling I had when I was a kid, and if I can recreate that same feeling for others, I feel like I've succeeded because it's a feeling of being connected. And a part of that is a physical connection, but I think the other part is a, an emotional one, where you are you sense that you're part of something. And so the soul, to me, is kind of a deeper connection beyond the superficial. Oh yeah, yeah I did ninety runs today. And I was going 63 miles an hour, according to my app and all that kind of stuff. Those are all great, but it's kind of taking a ride up red, maybe having a chat with a total stranger, or it could be your son and talking about things that you don't have a chance to a lot in life right now. Everything is so frenetic, high paced, stressful. (laughs) This is a place I want people to feel like I can just sit back and relax on this lift ride. One, because I'm tired after doing 1500 vertical, the pretty challenging stuff. And two, meet new people, connect with your family a little closer than you can on a seven, five minute ride, high speed lift where you're packed in with eight other people. That intimacy and connection, I think, is something I'm really looking to for other people to experience. And that's what, to me, that's what soul is. Perfectly put. A few weeks ago in in mid-February, when we were all jonesing for snow, 
I heard a lot of chatter that places would would not be making snow for their for the rest of the season. Like they're just putting the operation away. It's just closing up shop. And I I think to some degree, some places have done that. But then last week, here's Magic Mountain blowing the guns in in the first week of March. What made what was the decision to make that? Particularly since we've actually had a heavy heavy a healthy dose of snow the last three or four weeks. Yep. Well, I mean, I, I've always said snowmaking is really important to our business. A lot of people go out. Yeah, I just doesn't even make snow. I mean, to this day, those things linger out there. But we don't groom, of course. We don't groom anything. But in fact, we do. And we have really good growing. So I think for us, yeah, it was we run the business. No one else tells us what to do, which is nice. And we can make a decision that day. It's not like I got to run this thing up the ladder. Or someone has an idea at our place that has to go through multiple layers to get approved. You know, we're a very small team and we, we try to move quickly on things. But yeah, it was a, I mean, it was a tough winter for us. We were, we were behind last year and last year was a pretty sucky winter, quite frankly. I think we were 50% of our normal snowfall. And this winter was not off to a great start. And basically, you know, you look at all three holiday periods where that's where you kind of make your profit, your money. They were all down for us. Part of it was we had a little bit of a late start. We put in a whole new uh, snowmaking pond, and that didn't get approved by the state until the end of November, and then we had to refill it. So we didn't really get going with snowmaking until mid-December. Then because of that pond work, we ended up having a pump pond issue that we had to deal with. But we're pretty quick to find an alternative way to, to pump stuff up to our pump pass out of that pond. Give a lot of credit to our operations team. We just brought a guy over from Stratton who worked there many, many years. Really great guy who loves what we're doing. Uh, and, you know, came up with this idea to put a whole new pump outside our pump. Put water up. And we just rented this unit for the for the wintertime. So, yeah, we could have called it quits because snow would come and just say, just ride it out. But we also wanted to ensure that we shored up a few key places that we know either gets hit by the sun or is very narrow, gets a lot of track and will go pretty quickly because again, this winter, it, it hasn't been cold. I mean, it, the ground is not frozen. It hasn't frozen all winter. So once it gets warm again, which it did in the past, once it gets warm again, it's going to, it's going to melt from the bottom up and the top down. So we wanted to make sure we could make it to April made a commitment to our, our customers that this is the type of mountain we're going to be. We're going to do everything we can to give you a good stretch of skiing into early April. And uh, luckily, Mother Nature is also cooperating. So, On that note, I mean, we're, we're taping this Monday for it'll be out on Friday. So in between, we've got a little bit of a nor'easter coming. A little bit. Magic is open Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, correct? Yep. And you open for powder days. Correct. Can you take us into how do you choose, like this storm could be, at least for us, we might get a whole lot of rain down here in Massachusetts. So we're really excited. But you look like you could be in the sweet spot, but maybe you're not. So how do you make that decision to tell people, okay, yeah, we are going to be open Tuesday for powder day or Wednesday for powder day. And, and how do you get everyone to work and the crew involved and, and how challenging can that be? Yeah, I mean, I think it's challenging for sure. But I guess one of the advantages of being a smaller ski area is that we have a pretty good handle on our, our staffing, things of that sort. They know this is the way we do business. We also open for private mountain, mountain rentals. So a lot of times during the 
the winter, we'll open on a Monday or Wednesday, whatever, for either a corporation that wants to have a big event here, you know, 50 people who just want to rent them out and have a good time. So we're those we know about in advance and can plan for or make sure we have the staffing for. Uh, the powder days are those, yeah, that could happen overnight almost. Oh, we were supposed to get two inches. All of a sudden we got six inches. That's a little tougher. Yeah. For us. But as long as we know and have a pretty good handle on when a storm is coming in, we'll certainly make a call of a day prior. If it's going to be six inches or more, we'll make the call a day prior. Other times, it's a big storm like this system, and the confidence level is very high that we're going to get at least six inches if foot, mm-hmm. if not two feet. Then it's easier in terms of planning. The tricky part comes to down to timing. Like this storm is starting Monday night and going through Wednesday. Do we open on Tuesday? Do we open on Wednesday? Because we may have enough snow to open on Tuesday, right? but the whole storm is going through till Wednesday. So we made the decision, let's get the whole storm in. We'll know what we're and travel will not be as bad, hopefully for people as well. Because traveling during Tuesday looks like it's going to be. Horrendous. I know that's that. that, that I, w- I was hoping because I'm, I'm a teacher in another life, so I have to teach and I'm hoping that they can call off school Tuesday and Wednesday, but probably not Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. If can I get up there Tuesday? So a lot yeah. goes into this, Jeff. So hopefully I'll be there Wednesday. Let's just put yeah, it that way. I hope so. <laughs> you need to be there. But yeah, it's 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 sometimes tough to make that call exactly. But with this one, it was a little easier because I think we know travel's going to be really tough. For people on Tuesday, probably not really safe to be. Over, yeah, probably right? not but, smart. It looks like. Um, yeah. So Wednesday's kind of the day, and it looks like eighteen plus. Okay. So bring well, bring even it. If, even if it under delivers with the amount of snow we have, and twelve inches, it'll be a great day. Yeah, but my, they, they're, a, they're calling for anywhere between zero and sixteen at my house in southeastern Mass. So it's like you you, you can't go wrong, right? Is is yeah. that rain or snow down there? Zero to sixteen. So it might be all rain. It might be two feet of snow. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's. I think you're gonna you're gonna get some on. It's gonna start rain, and then it looks like it goes over to snow even down there. I think no. you're gonna get six to eight. So. All right, well, it's, I'll, it's, I'll take it. It's gonna be crazy. So, on every episode, we have this little thing called the base base camp insider information. So, where would you go? What's your favorite run on a powder day? You've got that 18 inches of new. What are you gonna take your first run? Well, let's just say we had 14 to 16 inches a week and a half ago, two weeks. Yeah, a week and a half ago. And patrol, as they were going out, opening trails and things of that sort, they hit me on the radio at about, we opened at 830 on a Saturday that time. And they hit me on the radio and said, we're saving red line for you. (laughs) Perfect. So... That, which was really nice because I was running around doing all kinds of stuff. And so I just put all my stuff, went up a little bit before everybody else and hit red line, opened that thing up. And it was red line. just one of those really special trails right underneath the lift, but narrow cliff drops, steep. And uh, it doesn't hold the snow that well in certain spots. So you got to hit it early. So that was really nice. So red line is definitely a favorite, but they're, there are so many really good glades that I'm never, ever going to divulge it on here good. because they're not even on the official trail map. But there are really some good ones that are just that I go to. But one that is on the, on the map is Ghana Glade. It's go, go from top of red to go to Witch and down into Ghana Glade. It's just a classic eastern 
more open in terms of trees, glade. That's more like a trail and a glade together, but it's steep, great views. One of my favorites of all time, really good moguls. I just love it. Fantastic. I, I do think, I think that's my favorite gladed trail in New yeah. England too. It's and, just, that's, and that's even on the east side. Forget all the west sides. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it is I tremendous. That, and I, that's I, my insider tip. Yeah, I was lucky enough to, to ski that in like waist deep powder one day. And it was just, it was one of those moments that you're like, okay. And now you get the magic feeling. You get why yeah. this place matters so much. What about a hidden gem? What What's something up there on the mountain that people don't really realize that much and really delivers? Oh, I, I, hidden gems. I mean, I think there, there are some glade off of Talisman. Both sides, one on map, one not, that really get overlooked sometimes and are just our own people go out and these glades and things of that sort, our own customers and things. So they know where these places are, but they're they're somewhat hidden, but it, you don't have to go too far. You just got to poke around, hang out at the, the Black Line Tavern at lunch and talk to a few people. They'll tell you where to go. No, the hidden gems are definitely out there, but the wardrobe is one of those that's on the map that's a little bit hidden because it's right between Sorcerer and Talisman. It's a great tree run, really nice, unbelievable tree run. There's some awfully good tree runs right off of there that I've been in. Just incredible skiing. And lastly, in three words, how would you describe the overall vibe of magic as a whole? Laid back is only one word, though. You can't use it as two. Yeah, I can't use that. I'll go with Madge. I, I, do, I do think it's it's one of those places that the, the name lives up to itself. There is some magic there. So for those people that are interested in exploring things that are a little off the radar screen, even though obviously we're more on the radar screen than we used to be, and they want to get a feel for something that's different than, you know, the great corporate resorts that are around our area. It's worth the worth the trip because I think it does bring a little magic into everyone's life. And we all need that every now and then. Doesn't mean you have to be a season pass holder and either all the time, but you may be over at Stratton or you may be over at Mount Snow or, or Chemo, wherever, and just, hey, think about doing something different. If you want to do something different, in southern Vermont, we're definitely the place to find a little magic in your life. It really is. It, it, it's a special place. And like I said, I, it, it took me until my second visit there to all of a sudden, like, realizing for the light to go off, like, why this place mattered so much and why everyone online told me so much about it constantly, right? And it, it truly is. And, and a little less than a month left in the season for you. Some Some great conditions going on right now. Hopefully more to come just to, it's great to see sort of that, that shift in weather, just sort of like everyone can take a, a, a deep breath finally and say, okay, we've got winter here for at least a little bit of period of time. Jeff Hathaway, president of Magic Mountain. Thank you so much for joining us. This was excellent. Great, great to be here. And yeah, I think we're going to have a good end of the winter, which is really nice to see. Good spring skiing. Everyone should enjoy. put off baseball and lacrosse for a little bit. That's those, those are my words. Jeff, I'll be up to see you here in the next two weeks. Looking forward to it. All right. Yeah. Come come by the office. We'll share some runs. All awesome. right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Cheers, guys. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. Eagle Crest isn't your average community ski area. We're on an island in Alaska. We have panoramic ocean views a 1,600-foot vertical drop, big mountain terrain, incredible backcountry access, less crowds, 
more snow and some pretty historic streaks. It's now 50 consecutive days with snowfall. You can't drive here. You have to fly or ferry, which means shorter lines and untracked powder. We have great community. We're affordable. We have an amazing learning center. But it's not just the skiing and riding. Juno has a lot to offer. And we're right here waiting. If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Base Camp podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal, the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. And now, back to the Base Camp Podcast. Eric, that was incredible. The soul is still there at Magic. What they are doing, their commitment year after year to build Magic and make it better is just amazing. Four years to get a lift up. That <laughs> takes commitment. It does. And, and you know, you know, I, I do feel for Jeff because it's got to be completely frustrating to take two steps forward and one step back and to have all these eyes on you about, you know, why can't you just put up a lift when Vale was able to do it so easily? Like just they put a lift here and a lift there. Magic's a different situation. You just can't compare the two. No, nope. you, no, you can't. But you also, can't. also, he made the statement, the Sun Bowl. We've all skied the Sun Bowl at Stratton. There is a big difference Huge. between the Sun Bowl's pitch and terrain and Magic's front face. Totally different. It's amazing when, when, when he, you know, I wouldn't even think of that, but when he lays it out there, it makes all the sense in the world. Like, oh, that's why that wouldn't work, huh? Makes perfect sense. You know, Magic is a place that, I heard about, even before social media became a huge thing, I was a, a, a frequent user of Alpine Zone, this message board online, and that's all they talked about was magic. Got to go to magic. Got to go to magic. Got to go to magic. One day we had one of these huge storms. I think this is in 09, 10. It was my first visit to magic. I blew out my uh, the motor in my Honda, not my Honda, in my Mazda 6, getting up that access road, right? I, I, I very nearly almost pulled out my knee again, doing that steep and it was one of the best ski days I've ever had in my life you know it was just one of those those powder days at a place like magic where the terrain is gnarly enough that you're going to experience something totally different at that place than you would at say you know Sugarbush or Stowe or anywhere Mad River Glen is probably about the best comparison to it just because of the sort of independent vibe each place has but I think you you nailed it or, or Jeff did about in terms of terrain Smuggler's Notch is actually very similar to Magic Mountain, and it's a shorter drive, so that's a good thing. Well, it depends where you're coming from. I know, I know. Okay. It's a shorter drive from me. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Magic's terrain is without peer in southern Vermont. There's nothing nothing like it. 
And when you drive up, if you're looking for, you're probably not going to find it there. No. Okay. You drive up and you go, wow, this is the way skiing used to be, the way I still want it, the way I, the things I value in skiing is what magic gives you. If you're looking for the Stowe or Killington experience, well, you probably shouldn't go to magic. No, don't stay away from magic, actually. And I'll tell you a quick story why. Back, I don't know what year this was. This this is a long time ago, more than 10 years ago. I had a white ski jacket, white, and I rode the, the, the red lift. And that white ski jacket now has huge grease stains that dripped on me from above. The, the white ski jacket had seen better days, okay? It, it was about seven or eight years old. So it wasn't like this was a brand new piece of clothing. But could you imagine if that happened to someone at, say, oh, I don't know, Stowe, and they put their camera on said grease pile that dropped on their jet, their white jacket and put it out to social media about how awful this place was and how run, you know, you can't send someone that is used to spas and, you know, being pampered and put them at magic just can't happen. Right. If, if you are not happy with the treatment you're getting at other mountains, don't go to magic because it's going to be a completely different experience for you. And you will hate it. If you want to ski some gnarly terrain and get a vibe going that is, you know, not on par with a lot of mountains in, in New England, definitely go to Magic. 100%. It's where the vibe is. It is, it's amazing to be there. But what you're going to find out, you know, I've always said this, some of the hardest core skiers are in northern Vermont and northern Maine. Well, you got to throw Magic in there. These boys and girls can ski. Yeah. And they can rip because the terrain dictates that you need to do that. Magic is tops on my list always. And I hope everybody gets a chance to get out there and enjoy it. Yeah. And like Jeff said, you know, you, you grow up a magic skier. You grow up with a magic family, which means they get to learn to ski eventually. And magic has done a greater job with, you know, making sure that family skiing is part of the whole package. But when you, your first couple runs there, you were just like, where did I transport myself to? And am I still in Southern Vermont? Because the, the terrain is just, it's steep, it's hard, it's its unforgiving at times, and it's just a fantastic place to be. It, um, it really is. I'll tell you what, my last day, the last time I skied Magic was, I guess, two years ago. It might have been last year. I forget what, when it was. But once again, I, I went down to the bottom. I skied hard all day. At about 3 o'clock, I guess it was, I threw my skins on. And I climbed, and I was up there by myself at the top going, this is just friggin' magical. It's that special. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Mike, again, as always, thanks for co-hosting. Fantastic times, you know, propping up, talking about independence, um, and truly special places out there. It is. That's it for us on this episode. Magic Mountain, go ski it. There's plenty of snow out there. There's plenty of snow coming, and hopefully it doesn't stop the rest of the month. I'm Eric Wilbur, New England Ski Journal editor. This is the Basecamp Podcast. We will catch you on the next episode. New England Ski Journal's Basecamp is a Siemens Media podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.